On this episode of AvTalk, we send Jason to Hawaii on the final United Airlines 747 flight. So here's to our 747 and all the wonderful things this proud bird has done for our airline. And even better, here's to what's next. Cheers. The Maho Beach Camp comes back and we check out our favorite pilots on Twitter. Welcome to episode 18 of AvTalk. We're closing in on 20. Do you feel okay, Jason? I don't feel okay. I, and, I, I don't. And I'm exhausted, us, but for all the right reasons. <laughs> tell us tell us why you don't feel okay right now. I was on board the final United 747 passenger flight, which went from San Francisco to Honolulu. I live in New York, which is very far away from both of those places, and tried to do it all with one day off from work, but that, that plan didn't go so well. So I'm I'm just got back from Newark now. I'm in Brooklyn and I'm tired, but it was definitely worth the trip. So yesterday, we're recording on the 8th of November, the 7th of November, United celebrated the last passenger flight of the 747 in their fleet with a special one-off flight from San Francisco to Honolulu, recreating the atmosphere of their first 747 flight, which also went from San Francisco to Honolulu back in 1970. Yeah, it was it was pretty great. United's had the 747 since pretty much uh, the incarnation of the 747. They've had it for 50 years or so. So it's really been a part of United's DNA. They've had the, the 100, the 200, the SP, the 400. I don't think they had the 300. Not they many. did not, no. Yeah, not many airlines in the world did. But they, they flew almost every variant of the 747. So it was really a big part of of their history. And, and the 747 as a whole helped bring travel to the masses and, and bring prices down so everyone can afford it. And I really have to hand it to United for absolutely going all out and giving it a send-off that it, it truly deserves at United really spared no expense or really any creativity when it came to this final flight. We saw pictures of the gate area kind of decorated in, in Hawaiian motif. And, and I know the flight attendants were dressed and they had their hair done in 1970 style. But I mean, what else was it like on the flight? So on the flight, aside from just the flight attendants, they had, I think, about 10 random flight attendants that happened to want to also be on the flight dressed in, in period, I guess you could call it costume or, or uniform, helping out. Um, everyone on board got a pretty great four-course meal. I had heard, I don't know if this is true, but they had catered 500 Mai Tais for the passengers and they were all gone in the first hour of the flight. They held a costume contest for all the passengers on board. I think the, the winner who had the best costume, which I think was just the guy in 70s, 70s attire with a, a fake cigarette walking around because this plane is so old it actually had ashtrays in a lot of the seats. To really bring home the, the true United 747 experience, we had about a 45-minute delay on the taxiway, just short of the runway, as they were troubleshooting a, a technical issue with one of the air conditioning packs. and. At one point, they thought we were going to have to tow back all the way to the maintenance hangar and have the technicians, I guess, futz around with it to see if they could fix it. But thankfully, they figured out whatever it was, and we were 
on our way for a, a true United 7-4 experience, which is really why they're retiring them. They're, they're old. They're frequently plagued by mechanical issues. But the whole area around the gate in San Francisco was absolutely decked out with 747 memorabilia, history. And when we got to Honolulu, they actually laid the aircraft. They put this giant thing of flowers on top of the nose. So it was it was a pretty great experience. So, I mean, they, they really did a nice job saying goodbye to an airplane that they've had. And, and I ran the numbers. It was 17,275 days. That's a lot of days. That United had the 747 in service, almost uh, 40, 47 years and change. So, I mean, one of the, the I, I think possibly the longest running airline to operate the 747, but I would have to double check that. But I mean, a, a really, a really cool sound. And I was watching the flight, tracking the flight, and you guys had a, a really nice Golden Gate tour on yeah. the departure out of San Francisco. Unfortunately, I was in a middle middle seat in the middle section, so I, I couldn't see much. But after we did depart, our captain did a really cool low pass over the Golden Gate Bridge. And from the bits and pieces I saw out the window through other people's phones, mostly, it looked really quite fantastic. There, and some yeah. of the video, I think Seth Miller, Wander Me on, on Twitter, has some video because he stuck a GoPro on the window. And it just looked absolutely awesome. Seth got some good video, and and I think there were some really great photos, and we'll find a few of those and, and toss them into the show notes because it, it's really worth a look at, at seeing the bridge from from a pretty low altitude as you guys climbed out of San Francisco. So that that was pretty neat. I say we take a, a real quick break from listening to us talk to each other. Six minutes. It's been so tiring. <laughs> Let's take a, a quick break and we'll listen to... Jason had a chance to talk with some of the people on board the flight, both flight attendants as well as just passengers and, and what the 747 meant to them and means to them and and why they were on the flight and and how they enjoyed it. So let's go hear from them and we'll come back in just a moment. So we are live on the final United 747 flight on our way to Honolulu, and I am with the purser of today's flight. Can you tell me your name? Name is Val Van Buren. I'm out of Honolulu, SW. I've flown almost 41 and a half years. Wow, out of yeah. Honolulu the whole time. Started my first career in Chicago for two and a half years, and it was actually a little too cold for me there, but a great training ground, 24-hour flying. And then it opened up in Honolulu, and I've been blessed to have beautiful blue skies and double rainbows ever wow. since. So what does the 747 mean to you? It was a leap in technology, which is everything in my lifetime. It, spaciousness is, was like anything we had ever heard of or flown in our life. It was wonderful for the crew. It was wonderful for all of our customers. Gracious, smooth, it took bumps, and everybody enjoyed it more than words can say. How do you feel now that this is the last flight on a United 74? I'm a little choked up. <laughs> <laughs> is the little mechanical delay we took on the outbound, you think that's just the aircraft's way of saying thank you for your service? Got to make it eventful on the last flight? I'll accept that. <laughs> Anything to say, maybe to the engineers that designed this aircraft, or really anything in general? I think 
all the mechanics that allow me to fly safely. <laughs> <laughs> the ramp that serviced us, the kitchen that loaded tons and tons of food, and china that never broke, and glasses, our cleaners that made it sparkle, our cockpit crew that delivered us safely. <laughs> I'm forever grateful for a wonderful career and a safe career. Right. Our union worked with the company and were alive and well because it was a collective collective work of art. I realize we spent an hour and one minute on the ground there in San Francisco, but as you know, sub 47 being one of the most capable airplanes, we're going to get you there only a few minutes late. I know most of you probably really don't care about that and would probably just as well have us fly circles out here, but United being the new on-time leader, it's just what we do best. So we'll do our best to get you there within DOT on-time statistics. We're going to go ahead at this time, turn off the fast seatbelt signs, feel free to get up and move out the cabin. However, we'd like to strongly recommend that when you're seated, we'd appreciate it if you'd keep your seatbelts fastened. We'd also appreciate it if you obey that seatbelt sign closely today. We're going to do our best to keep that sign off and get you a nice smooth ride all the way to Honolulu. Right now, as you're well aware, scheduled arrival time was 2.45 Hawaiian Standard Time and planning to have you to the gate there at 2.59 p.m., making us 14 minutes late. I'm still considered on time. So, uh, anyways, we'll do our best there. Also, as I told you earlier, we're going to be passing along some information concerning the halfway to Hawaii game. We'll be passing that along in a few more minutes. So, uh, when I, I'll give you one more warning to have a pen and paper ready, and then I'll come back on and give you the information. The best thing to do with this game, though, just so you know, is let's all pretend we're already in Hawaii and let's use Hawaiian standard time, which is right now 10.22 a.m. in Hawaii. So we're going to ask for your guests in Hawaiian standard time. So it's two hours earlier in San Francisco. So that'll be what we'll be asking you to do. And we're going to make you make your guests down to the nearest second. That's how good most of you are at guessing our halfway time. We're going to need it down to the second. Anyways, we'll let you enjoy your flight. Get back to you a little later. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, heads up. For the halfway to Hawaii game, we were told that it will be found in your ticket wallet. Everybody's ticket wallet will be a plain white card, and it will not be in your gift bag. So check for that white uh, retro ticket wallet. Look in there for that white square piece of paper for your guest for the halfway to Hawaii game. Okay. All right, yep. one last question. Sure. What is your favorite thing about the 747? Favorite thing? Spaciousness. All right. Okay. Thank you so much. We love it. All right. I'm here with Cody. He is an Embraer pilot, and we are on the final 747 flight from United on the way to Honolulu. So tell me about what this flight means to you as a pilot. To me, you know, the 747 is just so iconic, and it's definitely, the airplane itself has been something that I think every kid, you know, when they decide they want to be a pilot, everybody wants to fly a 74, and that was certainly it for me when I was three years old. The first time I saw one got me into airplanes and just always wanted to fly airplanes and hopefully fly this airplane. And obviously flying the RJ right now, my timing definitely wasn't right for it. 
but flying is flying, and she's definitely inspired me. So that's what this airplane means to me, really, and right. wouldn't miss this for, for the world. So which carrier sure. are you with now? I fly for a Compass on the RJ. Okay, great. What do you hope to move up to? A mainline carrier one day, hopefully, would be great. Yeah. And What's your dream air- aircraft? Dream airplane seven, would be seven, four. Seven, four. But obviously, with you know Delta retiring there, what's the consolation prize? Um, I love the MD eighty. Yeah. I love the MD eighty eight. Would be really really fun. I love classic airplanes. So the MD eighty seven seventeen would be a great airplane. Yeah. And the seven five. So I'm kind of old school with in terms of what I love to fly and what I enjoy. But an airplane's an airplane. So. So how did you end up on this flight? Did you cash in miles? Are you not revving? No, just writing a story for Airways Magazine along with Ben Wang. So just doing that as well for this flight. So I got lucky to be able to get on it. Thanks so so much. Anytime. So it's great to hear that I mean, it's a plane that means so much to so many people, basically because it was, I mean, it's the first, it's not the biggest anymore, but it, and it's just, it's a massive machine. And, and I think a lot of people get into aviation because they see a 747 and they go, that's a really cool plane. I mean, it's really historically the only aircraft that typical everyday people can visually identify and see, oh, that's a 747. I know what that is. Right. Right. I mean, yeah, you get into the minutia of, you know, far away planes, but you can really, I mean, always tell that, you know, that's a 747 and it just, I mean, the that iconic shape, I mean, it really stands the test of time. Yeah. Sad to see it go, but they understand that it's time. Well, I mean, yeah, it's, you know, when things don't work, it's it's time to find new things that do. And, and you know, they, they've got airlines, there are airlines around the world that are still flying the 747 and will be for a very long time. I mean, well, Delta's got till the end of the year. And then, you know, British Airways will probably be flying passenger 747s in some sort of reconfigured condition for the next 900 years. Hey, they said 2024. Okay. I think you're thinking of Kalita. Well, Kalita, they're, they're going to be flying, you know, passenger to freighter converted, you know, 747-8s, I don't know, 2200, 2300. So after all the alien invasions and civilizations yeah. wiped out, Kalita will still be flying a 747 <laughs> They'll need to transport ketchup packets somehow. Yeah. So let's transition back to you started with a maintenance delay. The issue was corrected. Jokes were made and the issue was corrected and you were able to take off. Landed in Honolulu and you had, if I recall correctly, a 61, 4, 5 minute connection. Something like that. A 65 minute connection. I had this great idea that I could do this trip all the way out to Honolulu and back and only take one day off from work and be back at the office Wednesday morning. I mean, ideally, it it could have worked. It almost worked. I could have pulled it off if it wasn't for that damn malfunctioning fuel pump. Which I hear, and and I'm no pilot or mechanic, but I hear that having a fuel pump is important to an aircraft. I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong. That's exactly what he said. We we need that. Well, but um, yeah, I wasn't the only person that did this. We got off, a, a bunch of us got off the 7-4 and we ran completely across to the other end of the, the terminal, Honolulu, which isn't a, a short walk. It's also mostly outdoors and it was incredibly humid that day. So I was feeling kind of gross, but made the connection. It's a United 7-4, sorry, not a 7-4, a 7-6-7-400, which I had never flown on before. And thankfully, luckily, 
I was actually lucky enough to get an upgrade to, I guess, what you would call first class, because it's technically a domestic flight, even though it's a 10-hour flight, which is crazy, a whole other topic in itself. But I was all settled in, had my seat, already ordered my meal, and then we we got this notification that, oh, there's a delay. We're, as we're about to push back, a circuit breaker pops in the flight deck, and they go, oh, well, that's not good. This is a, a circuit breaker that us as pilots, we are not allowed to reset ourselves, so we have to call maintenance. And then maintenance comes, and they, they tinker with the part, and they, they think they got it, and they turn it back on, and then the breaker pops again. So they got to go try to find another fuel pump out in, in Honolulu, and unfortunately, that didn't happen. So they just outright canceled the flight, which means I had to find another way home. And we're recording the podcast, so obviously you did. I'm here. I'm here now. But instead of my first class nonstop flight from Honolulu all the way back to Newark, I ended up having to go through Denver and then to Newark. And I ended up in economy minus, basically, on a domestic high density 777, which is just an awful, awful way to spend a night. So gave up my flatbed seat for a, a regular economy seat all the way in the back of the plane, connecting in Denver, thankfully right across the concourse to a, a middle seat on a 737. Not an ideal way to get from Honolulu to New York. Not the flight experience you were expecting. Yeah, I was so close. I was in my seat watching a movie, ordered my meal, and then everything just turned upside down. At least I got back on the day I was supposed to. That's always nice. Not in style, the way I wanted to. I, I A friend of mine gave me uh, an upgrade and it actually cleared, which I was shocked about. But the travel gods had something else in mind for me. But you got to enjoy the, the last United 747 flight. And so I, I mean, did. That's, and that, I, know, I regret nothing. I regret absolutely nothing because it was a truly great experience. And I don't really foresee anything coming up like that in the future. I don't think Delta is going to do anything nearly as large scale for the Well, I mean, they, they don't have the, the history they know, don't. with they, the they, airplane that, that they United operated, does. The Delta operated the 7-4 way back when in the 70s, and they, they stopped. And then they inherited some 400s from Northwest when they merged. And granted, they're some of the oldest and the oldest 7-4-400s, but there's really no love lost there. Though they did put one in the Delta Museum in Atlanta, but... A lot of people were slighted by the fact that they painted it back in, in Delta livery and they didn't put it in original Northwest livery. So that some people will even refuse to go look at it. <laughs> I will never refuse to go look at a 747. I, That's true. I, I think you, I you shouldn't. I, I think I can stake that claim. But I, I, I can see where some people would feel slighted. But yeah, uh, still, it's a 747. Go look at it. That's right. Well, So I'm here. I missed the whole here. day of work, but I'm here. <laughs> So speaking of things that are back, the Maho Beach Camp is back. It's back. Surprisingly quick. I mean, I I was I was really impressed by how quickly things came back. We've been in contact with with our friends at PTZ TV. They said everything's gone. Can we have new equipment for the receiver? And we said absolutely and sent it out. And JetBlue actually really stepped up and helped them get down get down to St. Martin as quickly as possible so that they could put everything back together. And the, the camera is now on a cement mount. So hopefully hurricane, not proof, but resistant this time. The camera and, and the receiver were down since Hurricane Irma basically came through and 
removed them from and where they wrecked they were. the island. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they they posted a picture of the old camera, which was not in in good condition. No, no the the camera was not in good condition. the 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 antenna that was connected to the receiver left. Uh, <laughs> it is now somewhere else, <laughs> and went somewhere else. But I mean, it's it's interesting to now that the camera's back. I mean, you can not only see the planes and things like that, but you can also see the rebuilding that's happening on the island as they pan the camera around. So hopefully, you know, everything starts to really come back and and they have a chance to to rebuild back to full strength soon. Yeah, good job for to everyone included and especially JetBlue for helping transport everyone down there to get this set up because I, it may not seem like it, but th- this camera kind of feels like a, a nice little chunk of the, the tourism game for St. Martin as an island that just bring, probably makes a little bit of, of name recognition for the island. Yeah, and and I think that you know that it's. I mean, Esmaho Beach is kind of one of the most popular plane spotting spots in the world. You know, with the hurricane moving through, a lot of people well can't go there. So this is a nice thing to to come back and, and kind of draw attention to to the island and and how it's improving. You know, from from its post hurricane kind of devastation. So ho- hopefully we get to to follow you know more planes and and more progress. Yes, indeed. So we did a thing last week that surprised me that ended up being a really cool, fun thing. We just threw out on Twitter, who are your favorite pilots to follow on Twitter? And got thousand over a thousand responses from people all over Twitter saying, I love following these pilots for this reason, these pilots for this reason. I mean, everywhere from people you know, saying I like following these pilots because they post cool photos to I like following these pilots because they talk about how the plane actually flies and everything in between and all sorts of pilots from, you know, A380 pilots all the way down to people who are flying Cessnas in, in jungles. So it turned out to be a really cool and fun thing where a lot of people got involved. And I was surprised by how many people are following pilots on Twitter, but also how much love there is for for pilots who are on Twitter. Yeah, and there, there's a lot of them. So a, a good running list will help. I think it was funny that a couple of people even mentioned me, but I'm not a pilot, so please don't recommend me for that. But I definitely have a few favorites that I follow that are on that list. So it's a good thing to check out, scroll through it, and, and look at the pretty pictures or, or even some educational tweets. Yeah, what really got me was the the number and how many fervent supporters the British Airways pilots have. Yeah, well, even BA itself a couple weeks ago put out their own list of these are our pilots who also tweet and you should follow them. So they they seem to fully embrace it. Yeah, they I mean they they've some of the pilots have said as much they they I mean been encouraged to tweet or or share things on social media. So that that's nice to to see that an airline is recognizing kind of the, the power of the people who, you know, I think have some of the coolest jobs of all time and the photos and information that they can share to make flying maybe a little bit easier for people and and also educational and fun. Yes. I like it. So we've got that list is growing. If you've got a pilot that you follow on Twitter or, or social media in general, but Twitter, it's easier to kind of compile a list of folks. 
let us know, podcast at fr24.com or flightradar24 on Twitter, and just let us know who, who the pilot is and, and why you think we should should you know add them to the list. And, and we've been compiling things under the hashtag fr24pilots. So use that, and, and we'll see it and add them to the list. So hopefully the list keeps growing. It, it's really been fun to, to see pilots that I had never seen before and some of the cool things that they post. There's a lot out there, but like a lot of things on Twitter, it's just hard hard to find the right people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So hopefully we're we're on our way to to finding some of the right people. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you, you can tell I'm tired. I'm not I, I adding can, much value here. I can tell you're tired, but that's okay. You've I, I mean you've been up for what forty eight hours straight, pretty much. Ah, uh, probably more. Okay, so I mean, I feel like every podcast that we record, each succeeding episode, you've been awake longer before we record. Yeah, that's a bad streak. I don't wish to repeat that next so time. Let episode 19, Jason will have slept for 24 hours before we record. Excellent. I like that plan. So let, let's talk about a milestone, a, a very large milestone in more ways than one. Emirates took delivery of its 100th A380 this week. That's a lot of A380. That is a lot of A380s. I mean, it's it's just incredible, the numbers. I mean, no one is even close to the number not even, that they Not even have. remotely close. The next closest airline is Singapore with, I think, 19 or 20. Yeah. And they're actually actively retiring their oldest, I think, five or six while they take delivery of a few more. So even as they take delivery of new A380s, the, the actual total number they have is, is not changing. Yeah. Beyond I mean, that, British Airways has 12, Etihad, Korean have 10, Qatar has eight. Nobody is anywhere near Emirates. The numbers are just disproportionately in their favor. No, I mean, and, and when you look at the number of airborne A380s on the site, a full 50% at any one time, at least, are Emirates. It's shocking to think that this actually works for Emirates, that having this number of A380s is like a logical thing to do that actually works. And it, They're up to 100 now. They still have dozens more on order. My, my last check, I'm looking here, they have 42 more on order. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, and there, I guess there's rumors now that in come Paris, they're going to announce orders for more. So if I'm looking at this right, they, they will have more A380s by the time all these orders are done than they will have 777-300ERs. And they are already the largest operator of the 777-300ER in the world. I mean, they have a lot of planes and they have a lot of big planes. And they have a lot more in order. They have 115 779s on order, 35 778s. I mean, this is, it's kind of ridiculous that Emirates makes it work. But when you send four of these things to JFK each day, or maybe three these days, it's, uh, I guess you need them. I mean, it's just going to be interesting to see what happens when they, when they start to retire all of these. Yeah. Where are they going to go? I don't um, know. The desert. Ah, Petschmoer. Pet, there you go. Yeah. Maybe US, uh, Baltia. U.S. Global Airways. Oh, excuse me. Right. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's a whole other podcast. Oh, wait. Maybe World Airways. Did you see that just a, a few minutes ago? No, I missed World Airways. Apparently, World Airways is getting a reboot, but with the 787. Oh, okay. Yeah, because because reviving past airline brands has just worked so well over the past well, I decade. Mean, it worked great for People Express and Eastern. Yeah, how how are those two airlines doing now? If I recall correctly, they're not. 
they're not at all. No. So, yeah. Well, Eastern might still be flying, I think, one or two charter 737s. They were, uh, I think, absorbed by extra airways or something. Okay. So, they're, they, the paint may be there, but they're, they're gone. Gotcha. And People Express was gone because their one plane was damaged. Yeah. <laughs> they, never, they never recovered. Well, I mean, when, when you have one plane, yeah, that's uh, a you, don't, you don't have much room for air. No. But, I, I mean, long, long term we're talking here, it's going to be wild to see what happens with these A380s. Because we know the Singapore 5 A380s that they're retiring are ending up with HiFly, which is just going to be a, a wacky situation. That I mean, HiFly, if you're not familiar with them, they, they don't really operate their own flights. They are a charter airline that they operate for other airlines that are in need of aircraft. So... <laughs> are we going to have a hi-fi with 50 used A380s at Emirates retired in, in 20 years? I can't see that happening, but there there are people who, who see far beyond these things. Maybe we'll have to, to find somebody who can talk about what you do with 50 used A380s. I don't know. How many cans can you make out of 50 A380s? Probably a couple dozen. That's a good math problem for our next episode. Yeah, I, I'm not going to answer that question. That's okay. But yeah, no, I mean, it's just kind of insane how many airplanes they have, how many they're going to have, and then what's going to happen. To all of it. It's just the numbers boggle my mind. Do you think we'll ever see the A380 freighter? I don't think so. I don't think we will. I think there are too many issues with the wingspan and with access to the upper deck to ever see. I mean, maybe somebody converts one just for fun, but I... I, can't, I just can't see it happening. Yeah. Oh, well. I mean, it would have been cool if, you know, FedEx had, had been able to make it work or, or if somebody else had been able to make it work. But I and I just, I can't see it. I mean, what probably would be, not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, what would be interesting, and, and there's probably a million reasons why this can't be done, but it would be interesting to see a half passenger, half freighter. You A380. want an A380 combi. Yeah, I would love to have an A380 combi. Wouldn't that? I mean, how wouldn't that be cool? They, I don't even know how they, that would work, but that you would turn, be pretty. You m- turn the lower deck into cargo. You leave the upper deck passenger, and you've got an A380 combi. That seems unlikely, but awesome. I'm saying I don't think we'll ever see it happen, but I would love to see it happen. Yeah, that would be cool. I'm I'm just trying to visualize how that would work. Well, I, <laughs> I I don't think it, it would. probably wouldn't, but you know, it'd be fun. You'd need a couple really tall jet bridges and some well-placed cargo doors. Yeah, well, most airports that operate the 8380 already have jet bridges that can load straight into the upper deck. So that shouldn't be a huge problem. Then then we're ready to go. Yeah, we're halfway there. I think we just need to get Khalid on board. Call us up, Airbus. We can make this happen. There you go. What do you say we let you go get some sleep and, and maybe a shower? Yeah, as soon as I get hot water back, any any time now would, would be very having, good. You're just having one piece of good luck after another today. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, I, at least I got back from Newark to here seamlessly. That I think is probably the most important me. news of the day. Yeah. Well, we'll keep everyone abreast of of your you know travel situations, and, and hopefully next time we're, we're speaking after you get a little more rest. That would be welcome. All righty. Well episode 18 in the books. Thanks everyone for listening. We really appreciate it. If 
you like what you hear or you don't like what you hear and you think that we could do a better job, tell us how. Send us an email, podcast at fr24.com. If you're listening via iTunes, go ahead and head over there and leave a rating and leave a review. More ratings, more reviews equals more people being able to find the podcast and listen to us. And we really like that because we like doing this and we'd like to keep doing this. So, So please go ahead and do that. I am Ian Pechnik, and I have been here with the nearly catatonic... Jason Rabinowitz. I even got my cue, though, so I'm not that out of it. (laughs) And we will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.